Welcome. Welcome to Jokerman Podcast. It's part it's part two, or I guess just like the second one of our Jokerman Revisited. Get it? Uh series where we revisit albums. One of you know, like the Bob Dylan, like that uh album, like uh, Highway 61 Revisited. We're mm-hmm. revisiting records that we've already talked about. And we're doing it, but this time with different guests. And much better. I'm Evan. And I'm Ian. And today we're joined by two guests. Oh, hey. <laughs> uh, great to be here. My name is Jake Longstreth. Um, I'm psyched. I've been listening to you guys a lot recently. Although, who was who was the first guest on the first pass of uh, Planet Waves? You know, it was, uh, it was, it was one of Michael, the twigs. No, it was Michael Diodario of the Lemon Twigs. Yeah. Oh, cool. And he didn't really care about the album that much. <laughs> that was a, a more um, a spastic episode in our uh, in our discography or our oeuvre. Uh, definitely have come a long way since then. And we're also joined today by Daniel. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, my name is Daniel Ralston. Uh, I uh, am a friend of Jake's in real life. And also, I uh, love Planet Waves so much. It's my favorite Bob Dylan album by a mile. Fantastic. I thought I'd mention that right here in the middle. And also, <laughs> uh, I yeah, I write about stuff and uh, sometimes I appear on podcasts. It's fun. Beautiful. How did you, I, I think also, like you guys, so I think we started like messaging with like you first, Daniel, and then separately with you, Jake, and then somehow realized that you guys actually were, were bros in real life. How, what, like, are you guys just friends from way back or? No, we met on the internet, which is a little bit embarrassing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we've trans- transitioned it into real life uh, hangs. Right? I mean, yeah, that was a good, what, five years ago that we met on the internet. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, we both live in LA, so I, th- right. I remember we were talking on the phone a few weeks ago and Jokerman pod came up and I said, oh yeah, those guys reached out to me about maybe doing a Planet Waves app. And you're like, me too. And we're like, <laughs> it's like, like, like the girls dating the same. Exactly. You know, yeah. Like two different guys. Or like a, a parent trap kind of thing. Right. Yeah, and we're you like, got Planet Waves in my peanut butter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's the plot of Parent Trap that they both yeah. end up discussing uh, Bob Dylan's 1974 album, Planet Waves. Planet Waves. Is it? It's 74, right? Not 73. Yeah. It okay. is 74. So that's the first fact that we, we've dropped on you, dear listener. Yep. Picture what, yourself in 1974 and you're about to go to the store to buy the new Bob Dylan album. And what do you see but this beige or is it white? I mean, it's beige. White. Yeah, cream. It's white is yeah, cream. That classic Planet Waves moon glow cover. Mm-hmm. What's your guys' uh, your background with the album Planet Waves? Why do you, uh, why is it so special? What does it mean to you? Jake, you want to go first? Um, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, at a certain point, um, you know, I grew up, my parents had Dylan records, but they had the sixties records. They had the folk stuff. They had highway 61 blonde on blonde. I don't think they had anything after Nashville skyline. But I, so as a, so within high school and stuff, I was really into Highway 61 and the folk stuff. 
And then as a, you know, eventually I, I left the nest and was living on my own in my twenties. And I started going to record stores and buying old used vinyl. And I was like, wow, I guess Bob had a big career in the seventies as well. I had no idea. <laughs> um, and so I just started buying all of the seventies records, um, not even knowing what they were. Um, and I just remember thinking, wow, this is like the most unambitious <laughs> Bob record. Um, like, it's like, oh, it's like funny. It's like, cause his, his early stuff is so, it's so like red, burning hot ambition. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, um, and I just thought it was really interesting that he like, was clearly like letting his foot off the gas. Um, I don't know. I think it, I don't think I initially loved it. I mean, I'm trying to, I don't remember when I first heard it probably like 20 years ago, but I've over the years, it's become the one I go to the most, like over the last maybe five, six, seven years. That's, that's my go-to Bob. You know, I think um, I can actually hear a little bit of that in your music in, in the mountain brews music that exists. It's absolutely, there's a, a sort of a relaxed a- atmosphere, a sort of, um, like a, a genius off the clock type of vibe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hanging with, hanging with the buds, cracking a few brews. Eating up some coffee grounds. Yeah. Up some, exactly. Th- that's uh, probably the only, I guess that's the only beverage in the, in the record, but <laughs> maybe oh, there's right. others that'll pop up as we, as we go, as we make our way through the line, Sam. That's for my beverages in Bob Dylan songs podcast episode <laughs> one. <laughs> You're going to be uh, competing with us with our uh, our which which mustard is this Bob Dylan album? Uh, uh, yeah, that's something we do occasionally is we talk about if this record was a, a type of mustard, which one would it be? Anyone wow. got thoughts on Planet Waves right off the bat? Yeah, I do for sure. Let's hear. What it. do you got? As far as like a mustard, to me, Planet Waves is like. A classic Dijon. Dijon. Mm. Interesting. It's just like, it kind of works with everything. Uh, it's. I feel like the record has like a real, like, obviously, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about like the recording of it, but it was basically like conceived and made in Malibu. Yep. Yeah. And it, ha- it has like a very breezy feel, almost like a Mediterranean vibe to it at certain points. I think you're and, so right. You're, it's like the yeah. Dijon mustard, like you go to somebody's fridge and, and you're maybe staying at their house. They have like a really nice place. And then you're just like, they're like, help yourself to whatever. And you're making a sandwich and you're like, do you have anything? Um, do you have anything besides Dijon mustard? Yes. And they're like, yes, no, sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, it's like, um, you go to your friends, you go to your friends, like parents beach house and you're like, well, I got to have a sandwich. What can I put on it? You're like, oh, I'm going to go with Dijon. I would not normally do that, but it's going to hit perfect. And I would say if you're at your friend's family's beach house, throw on Planet Waves. Perfect album. Yeah, well said. On. It's got yeah, that. Can I make a, please. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like to make a case for Stone Ground. Ooh. S- tell me more. I mean, it's, it's kind of sandy. Mm. Um, I feel like Dijon's a little tangy mm. and a little has got a little too much edge mm. for, for how this album feels. This album is like, it's, you, you could put it on and you not even know it's there. And I feel like stone ground, you mix it in with some Mayo. I see what you mean. It's got, did yeah. you even put it's mustard little, on the sandwich? I don't even know. Can it's I got a little grit in your, it. Uh, your points 
if I may. I think maybe what we are kind of all getting at is that this is sort of a there is mayo involved. It's sort of a mustard and mayo type of situation (laughs) because to me that's this record is a Dijonese in that you've got this buttery smooth, totally uh, easy breezy music, but then it it mixed in there. There there's some little touches of intensity and grit. Yeah. Well, can I? Uh, can I tell you my connection to that record? Cause I, Please. It, it sort of like <laughs> happened like five yes. years ago, I would say. <laughs> um, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan. I don't have cool parents who had Bob Dylan records. My dad <laughs> was like on Billy Joel mostly. Uh, but I love Bob Dylan's music. And like many people, I once got divorced and <laughs> blood on the tracks helped me through that. We've, uh, we've all been there, brother. Record. Yeah, and um, I ended up in living in Malibu for a little while, and I was just kind of going through. And, you know, Planet Waves is a record that the cover has always turned me off, as it might a lot of other people. It's like, oh, this really not very good self-portrait. And then the back cover has like a weird essay. Yeah, yeah, I was just reading that to Evan before you guys hopped on. It's got. Uh, I'm not would even. Gonna... Re- would you mind reading it? Because I haven't seen it in a little while. Yeah, yeah some I'll, I'll, classic I'll re- Bob word salad poetic uh, leftovers. Tarantula. You know? I'll yeah, rip was, off yeah. uh, a little bit just so folks can get the taste of this, and I'm certainly not going to read all of it. Back to the starting point. The kickoff. Hebrews. Letters on the West. Victor Hugo's house in Paris. NYC in early autumn. Leaves flying in the park. The clock strikes eight. Bong. I dripped a double brandy and tried to recall the events. Beer halls and pinballs, polka bands, barbed wire, and thrashing clowns, objects, headwinds, and snowstorms, and so on and so on. Yeah, that's um, yeah. So there's like a lot of things about the record, and then and then <laughs> you know it went to number one, but kind of almost like just because he was extremely famous at the time. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I think his first number one record. Um, yeah. Uh, which is of all of the records to be his first number one record, Planet Waves is a pretty yeah. good one. And I think, um, you know, my feelings about the record on like a, I think it has maybe his saddest song going, going, gone, um, mm. which has quickly become my favorite Bob Dylan song ever. I, um, I have to wow. agree in some, I mean, I, we didn't put it on our Joker men 100 list. I, don't think. I saw that. Oh, I noticed. And and I uh, just want to. I'm not happy about it. Look, I didn't think you'd want to talk about no, it. No, no, of course we do. That's part of the revisited project here. We have to be, okay. hold ourselves accountable. We're atoning. You know, you know this is the time of year okay. folks atone. We atone now. And I'm sorry. So that was the song. That was the song that I first connected with. And, you know, it's like Robbie Robertson's guitar. And I'll just say up front, one of my reservations in talking to you guys is I'm not, I, I don't know how Dylan was. At, in Delaware in like July of 86, but there are certain Dylan (laughs) songs that I love so much. And I feel like I don't love Robbie Robertson all the time as the great, uh, Tom Sharpling said the band sometimes are like a bunch of civil war reenactors, not a band. And (laughs) I would say his playing on going, going gone is super restrained. Yeah, like yeah. The whole, it comes from the fact that he's holding back on the playing and then some really heartbreaking Dylan lyrics in that song, you know, yeah. it just reached a place with a will it don't bend. And then if you look at the Bob Dylan lyrics page, he's sung about 15 different versions of going, going, gone, all with different lyrics. 
Wow. As, as, he's, and, as he's and they're actually all, they're all variations on a theme and they're all pretty crushing, you know, like we have reached the end of the line with our relationship and there is nothing else to say. Mm. Well, we'll, we'll get to a further, a full, full bodied discussion of going, going, gone shortly. But the way we usually do this is we'll just go through the whole thing. We'll go through the record, uh, from song to song chronologically. Let's so just, if, uh, if we have warmed up enough, I think we can honk on, um, Bob. Bobo. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Let's just, <laughs> let's just get out there. Yeah. <laughs> Still working on that. Thank you. Um, hey, Jake. Yeah. Can we agree that that was a thrill to see in person? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I have to, guys, um, uh, I listened to Tempest for the first time. Really? Because of your double episode. I feel silly coming on a Bob Dylan podcast and saying like, I am really not familiar with anything after infidels. Like I am, I'm just, I'm just being vulnerable with you guys right now. That's Uh okay. This is a safe space. Um, And I, uh, I've tried a few times with like the, the revered nineties stuff and the, and I just, for whatever reason, I'm not connecting that maybe the singing, the, the, the Daniel Lanois washiness. It's mm. not a, it's not a, Bob is sharp. He's crisp. Mm. Um, but I have to say, I throw in Tempest after listening to his record. And um, I love, yeah, I love a lot of it. It really, you guys like kind of like opened up a dimension where I'm like, I'm going to start checking out these records. <laughs> This is just my, I mean, you know, uh, this is not like some uh, major uh, news drop here, but people like late period Bob Dylan. But for me, I just, for whatever reason, like now all the planets are aligning and I specifically the song Tempest, the, the Titanic oh, yeah, one is just a song. incredible. And I love that. I just pictured him on a tour bus watching Titanic. <laughs> Cause I feel like a lot of the imagery, you guys touched on this, but a lot of the imagery in that song, I just feel like the movie. drawn, obviously yeah. the Leo yeah. reference, but even just like the way he's describing the bodies and like mm-hmm. the lifeboats and like the, 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 the smokestacks going vertical. And mm. anyway, I was like, I think he's just writing about the film. <laughs> anyway, I just, I just shout out to you guys. <laughs> Tempest. That's what we're here I, for. Literally, I love, we could stop yeah. podcasting now because, like, if this is our whole. Th- we actually, it's a sign. I should say we should continue doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we yeah. should stop doing this now that we've finally gotten good at it. Yeah, somebody. Yeah. We were good at it enough one time for Jake Longstreth to think that uh, maybe I'll listen to Tempest, and now we have <laughs> one more person uh, who likes uh, that song. Yeah. One more person in the Tempest army ready to go yeah. to war with us. But guys, I think you would admit, um, oftentimes when you try to get somebody into a late period Dylan song, they're just like, can't get past the voice. Yeah, it, it happens. You know, it happens, but I, I love a ton of the later catalog. I think Time Out of Mind is incredible. I think think Not Dark Yet is in, is not not dark yet came out at a really interesting time because the music that I was into at that point I was going to see like Mercury Rev and the Flaming Lips and Mogwai and everybody was doing like huge kind of like swirling production mm-hmm. right and 
and weirdly i felt like not dark yet and parts of time out of mind fit in that oh, yeah. 1997 sound Definitely. totally it's that, um, that and, lushness uh and that like uh, everything has that kind of color uh color grading feel like the the audio yeah. version of that it's all like deep and, blue yeah and and um i love things have changed if we're talking about individual songs oh. like I think that's one of the best songs he's ever written. I also love Mississippi. Um, there we go. Yeah, those those later. I think there's so much gold in that later catalog. And Jake's actually selling himself short because I think he was the one who kind of got me to take seriously uh, listening to the uh, song about Mr. Kennedy. Oh, murder so, most foul. Oh, yeah. Well, that was that was my reentry. I, I was very checked out on Dylan at the time, and I I mean I think that's an incredible song. Well then, I mean, we're we're in we're all in the right place. Then I feel. I mean, that's, that's an amazing bookend to his career. I mean, that what I heard about that that there was like a fifteen minute song about the JFK assassination. I was like, I that I I have to check this out. Like this, normally if it's like oh, there's a new Dylan record, like oh, standards, whatever. I, I'm going to tune that out. But that I mean, that just on paper is incredible, and then it really paid off. But you guys, I'm sure, have covered this. Yeah, <laughs> that was actually we were the, we've been wanting to do like a yeah, full just murder most foul episode. You could do like a close reading for of sure. The song, you yeah, could do, do a, a whole live, live from Dallas, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> damn. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> it's in the cards. I'll get uh, done up in my best Jackie O like uh, pink outfit <laughs> with a little hat and stuff. We'll uh, we'll I reenact the whole thing. Idea. I remember when, um, to continue sending us far off the field, I remember when Murder Most Foul initially dropped. It was like two weeks after COVID initially hit, um, mm-hmm. like end of March. Like just, I, And I was like in my kitchen, and this was before we had even started the podcast, but I forget, one of us texted the other one about it, Evan, and yeah. it, it was like first thing in the morning, and it was like Bob Dylan has an 18, like not only Bob Dylan has his first new song in, eight years if you're thinking about first original new song uh but it's bob dylan's first new song in eight years and it's also 18 minutes long and it's also about the kennedy assassination and there was was just so much shit happening all at once between that and just like this like insanely fucked up crystallized moment in time it was a i don't know i was like it's one of those things where like i'm it sounds silly to say but like i will always remember like where i was when i was when i first heard murder most foul it was amazing timing (laughs) as well for the release because everyone was stuck at home and had nothing Mm -hmm. to do exactly so everybody it was like maybe one of the only times in history when people could have been like well all right and they listened to the whole thing (laughs) Like, yeah, exactly. And, and that was just a kind of serendipity that uh, worked <clears throat> out in, in Bob's favor. I remember I went for a run and I listened to the song twice. That was the whole run. The whole I was run. Just like, <laughs> was the whole so in the zone with the AirPods. It, I too did that. <laughs> Bob Dylan has released an opus. And get this. He mentions Jelly Roll Morton. Yeah. <laughs> Among and he others. mentions the Eagles. It's well, yeah, going to be a big one. He yeah. shouts out the Eagles. I mean, come yeah. on. Everyone's favorite, uh, Don and Glenn. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, should we uh, should we take a little dip into these, uh, into these? Should we should we catch some waves? Should we uh, hang ten and pick uh, a metaphor here? <laughs> <laughs> Shall we hop on the spaceship and uh, head into no, yeah, the blast planet around waves. Yeah. to the planet waves? How about this one? I'll tie it back to Murder Most Foul. Uh, we will go to planet waves in this decade, <laughs> not because it's easy, but because it's hot. Um, let's talk about the first song. Bravo. On a night like this, side one, track one. What a good, what a great song. <laughs> what a good song. <laughs> what, Guys, what, so a, good. what an invitation to a record. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. See, you're a natural. No, but it's just like it's such an inviting song. It's like, come on in, the kitchen's warm. It We're literally is. It's such a great welcoming song. It, I think that's an important thing to do on a record. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, Bob is the master of sequencing, and especially with first last songs on the records. And this is really literally just like you knocked on the door. It's out. You know, you you come up to this cabin. It's snowing outside. You see the light is is warm inside. You knock on the door, and Bob Dylan just opens it up. Someone's got an accordion going and you are about to have the best time of your life. Should note that the best coffee of your life. Yeah. (laughs) Some coffee grounds. Uh, And you're drinking coffee at night. Cause yeah. you're staying up late cause you want to have a great night, night with Bob Dylan and the band. Does, yeah. does Bob have any like boozy songs? Yeah, sure. I mean, I yeah. So. Oh yeah. But I mean, any boozy songs. Interesting. He has songs that imply booze for sure. Like tough mama. I think later on the record is, uh, not a so we gotta save song. tough mama we gotta yeah, save I have, crazy i have song. thoughts on tough you know tough no, mama. this song too uh, you know what <laughs> on, okay, a, let's, yeah. on a night like this okay. there's a doesn't he say pass that bottle like bring bring that bottle oh yeah bring that bottle over here yeah, yeah, yeah. okay give yeah. me a touch of bliss oh, wait it was yeah. nice and also like does he say bottle because there's also a bottle in um in another song that uh another song where he says we'll pass that it. bottle so they're doing kind of a little little shot of te- uh, uh, whiskey in the coffee. Yeah. Yes. And this sounds like a real fun party. Like somebody could be just playing a kazoo in the background. Exactly. Um, and I, I feel like um, the coffee grounds line always stands out to me yeah. as being like a, cause no one um, has ever said that. <laughs> Cause it sounds like you're heating up old coffee. Yeah, like the grounds. Coffee grounds. <laughs> just heat put, it. You're not going to heat up coffee beans. You're going to heat up coffee grounds. Cause you often do just heat up coffee beans. That's why you have to specify that it's specifically right. coffee grounds in this case. Yeah. The, the vibe of this whole song is kind of like that scene in uh, snow white when all the dwarves are like dancing in their little house <laughs> and they're, they have yes. that like pipe organ that's like made out of little like totem pole guys. That's sort of what's happening yeah. here. Um, except everyone's just having a great time. Yeah. They're building a fire and throwing logs on it in the song, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. (laughs) There's like cartoon ants and, and birds kind of like dancing around. Probably, uh, Michigan J frog is invited to the party. (laughs) That's the sort of crowd that we're dealing with. But he's wearing his casual top hat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's got like a little slouch newsboy cap, a a kangle on. Yeah. Well, that makes me think that it's, yeah, like some, it's like a night, like I, like heating up coffee grounds, like, like makes me think of like cowboys who would be out. Yeah. yeah this away, is- like, like, and they're just like reheating the same coffee grounds day after day. Um, cause that's all they have. And, but they're partying too. 
they found a little it makes me think they're camping in or the something. Snow. Yeah, exactly. They they've been snowbound in, in, but they found this little cabin, and then they they hitched up the horses in a rickety old stable, and uh, they're they're going to have a ball with the humble provisions that they have. Their salt, um. salt pork and coffee grounds. <laughs> well, guys, don't forget there's a snowstorm outside yeah, in the salt. Yeah, right, yeah exactly. Right. It's so funny that this is that this is like this is this is Bob's first Los Angeles record. This is the first one that's cut oh, wow. in Los Angeles. And oh it's, wow! It's, it's so funny wow. that this yeah. one in the studio that Asia would be recorded in a few years later for all the Dan heads out there. Wait, really? Knowing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just like, it feels to me like such a, I don't know, I don't, you guys might disagree, but like, it it feels like such a non kind of Los Angeles record in many ways. And this song in particular, the setting of it and stuff, it had, it does have this like kind of loose breezy Malibu feel, but also like, I don't know when I think Los Angeles records in Bob's catalog, like street legal really kind of comes to the fore for me on that. And this one is just so like chill. Street legal Santa Monica record though. Yeah, very much so. Like just like complete bad vibes record. Do you you ever feel, don't you sort of feel like this song almost is like what you picture when you picture big pink? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah cuz it's, it's Bob like and the really band and they're just down and hanging out. a record and exactly. all that. Yeah. Exactly. So it just uh just a ironic uh, a, a ironic twist of fate, a simple twist of fate perhaps that this was the first re- Los Angeles record and yet yeah, doesn't necessarily sound too much like it. Musically it's also just so so fun. Like the the drummer sounds like he's having the time of his life. The all the yeah. fills in this are so Is it Levon? Yeah. Is it like, is yeah. this the only record he made? I mean, is it he made the basement tapes with the band? Yeah, this is but the like, only like official like Levon, kind of catalog studio record that is with the whole band. This is really just Bob and the band hanging. Right, it's Bob, it's Robbie, really- Danko, Levon, uh, right. Garth Hudson, and, and uh, Richard Manuel. The drummer, yeah, yeah it like, is Levon. Oh. Yeah, and the band, the guys like <clears throat> they play all over the record, but they don't overdo it. It's definitely Bob in control, right. Which is when the band, I think, is at their best. I've, we've had some, I, I think this podcast has had a love and hate relationship with the band uh, throughout its history. Uh, you know, there are, there are some high points in the band's catalog and maybe some lower points, like you mentioned with Tom's quote a little while ago, Daniel. But um, I think this is, like, this is when they're best suited for just like hanging out in the background, having a great kick-ass time musically, but then letting Bob you know, lead the show. Yeah. This is the most, um, forgive the pun, the most freewheeling um, <laughs> band on a Bob record, as far as I know, though. I mean, it's definitely like they're letting it rip. Very much so. There's no straight up like solos, but like. But the guitar, I mean, all the playing is so yeah, full of every spirit. I wondered if it was like, if they were just going to if they mixed it really well or I, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's, or they're, they're just, they're they're an incredible band. Yeah. They're really like, well, like knit together. I think like there's a really nice kind of like synchronicity between Bob and the musicians here, which you don't get on a lot of the records that come later when Bob is just cycling through, you know, hired guns and session players one by one by one. And obviously kind of like trying and failing to make something work. Um, you know, they, they, and, and then you see this come back later in his career also when he starts recording the records with the touring band beginning with Love and Theft. Um, you know, just like y- you really can hear the difference when Bob and the band are on the same wavelength and when they're not, you mm-hmm. know, kind of clicking together in the studio. And this is also right. like right before 
or a few months before uh, the release of Before the Flood, the live album, mm-hmm. which is right. like you can tell that the Bob band machine is like in peak performance mode. It's completely the Gundam is fully operational. The the Bob band Gundam. (laughs) This is where my Bob Dylan uh, idiocy is going to show is the next record blood on the tracks after that. Yeah. The next studio record is blood on the track. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel like they're warming up for blood on the tracks in a weird way. Like he is cooling off. Yeah. Like the, the (laughs) next song, if I can make a transition here is what you do see on this record is kind of that, um, transition period where, uh, you have a song like on a night like this, which is just pure fun and like nothing but good feelings. And then, like you said, going, going, gone second track is, uh, one of the most desolate lyrics and, uh, songs period that he's put out up until this point which kind of sets the stage a little bit for the next proper record yeah pretty heavy Um, stuff yeah like with going going gone to me you know you're talking about a guy who's kind of in some ways peaked peaking at that point talent fame wise like everybody knows who bob dylan is at that point he writes going going gone and the song is basically like nothing works I have to leave. And then uh, one of the little lyrical things in it that I love. And I, one of the things Jake and I like to talk about when we hang is like little moments and lyrics and songs and stuff like that. The chorus, I'm going, I'm going, I'm gone. And then that one time he goes, I'm going, I'm just going, mm, yeah. I'm gone. And there's something really effective about that where he sounds so exhausted. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. going. Just going. Totally. Yeah. That's the moment in that song that kind of drew me in. And then, like I said, I love the guitar solos. They're, they're really understated and, and really tasteful. Interesting. I have a completely different read on this. Um, Cause you're talking about blood on the tracks. I think of that. That's a very, um, austere stark minimal record that's very except for that weird one about the uh Lily Lily Rosemary Rosemary Jack, Hearts. Jack of Hearts. Yeah. yeah thank you yeah <laughs> it's all very conceptually like on, on the same emotional palette right mm-hmm. going going gone maybe if he had, if he had done that on blood and he had kept it minimal it would have had that same emotional resonance but because Robbie Robertson's just like doing all these harmonics and just like playing these beautiful little licks here and there it to me it's like still really fun it's like yeah. you're going yeah. from on a night like this into tough mama and you have going going on in between it doesn't like it's not emotional like this whole record is not emotional at all for me which is why i like it right oh, uh, yeah. which is why it's my ultimate throw it on record this, because it's like it's put it like on quotient is high for jay absolutely maybe the ultimate put it on record here I messed up the terminology, <laughs> put it on versus we'll, we'll, throw it on. We'll fix it in post. Don't worry. Um, I'm a throw it on guy, not a put it on guy. <laughs> but, um, I'm sorry. Jake throws on vinyls like you wouldn't believe, guys. He loves to do yeah, vinyls. Just see throw it. like a Frisbee, it lands right there on the platter. Yeah. Perfectly every time. But anyway, yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's because it is so full band and it is this like, um, actually, I looked up the Wikipedia page for this album and the genre was roots rock yeah yeah that's that's um, which is true tight um you could play this album at a folk festival set 
Oh yeah. Because everybody it, would love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a roots rock record. So there's no actual real emotional stakes. I That's how I feel I, about I, it. I, I did see, like I was looking at YouTube and uh, of the song and there were other people like Daniel who, who are like, this song is very sad to me. And I think that I can see that. Um, but I see both sides of this issue. There's an interesting complicating factor, which is that I just discovered on YouTube, somebody had posted this version of it. That was a, an outtake that's really much more in the style of like blood on the tracks. It's just Bob and a guitar mm. acoustic mm. and it's mm. really haunting. And actually the sad desolation of it seems to be more uh, coming through in that version. But there, yeah, it's hard yeah, to and- feel sad when you hear that, like, was it that like high Farfisa or whatever it is? And yeah. And that twanging guitar and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. At one point that solo version was the only version on YouTube. Really? And I I listened to it a few times and I was like, yeah, but it sort of sold the songwriting to me. Mm -hmm. And I I understand what you're saying between on a night like this and tough mama. It definitely is like, it still manages to like fit with the theme of the record. Like, I don't know. Maybe you're out having a fun night, but you're going to have a heavy conversation. Yeah. And it's got yeah. a heart, uh, sort of, um, it, it's not a totally heartbreaker type song because there, there's kind of that lifting up moment of like, mm-hmm. uh, gonna, gotta follow your heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Elmo, Elmo says, gotta follow your heart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is that what he says? Yeah. I think lyrically, like if you just read it off a page as a poem, it, it, it yeah. feels really heavy, but the way, you know, the way that it comes across, you know, through the, through the speakers, through the, the headphones, it, it really is just like, th- these guys were having such a good time just hanging out yeah. and vibing that like, even these kind of like miserable, like, you know, head hung low kind of songs that Bob was writing still sound pretty, you know, pretty fun, pretty vibey. They're, they're like um, cathartic yeah. in a way. Like this song is kind of more like a well, I'm going to keep on moving on type of yeah. like we, road weary guy, but he's resignation, not bro- but he ain't, he's bruised, but he's not broken. Yeah. And he's still, he's still got a dick that works as we find out. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to talk about tough mama? Let's do Let's it. Do Let's do just it. get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. What a song. <laughs> tough mama. Meat shaking on your bones. You still played this like <laughs> recently, right? Has uh, two thousand nine was the most recent play. Okay, right. Uh, okay. Oh, on four twenty. You know, it's a t- token up. Listening to <laughs> Tough Mama. That's yeah. that's yeah. what's up. Yeah, guys. I have to say, my favorite thing about Tough Mama is that it's definitely the best song to ever mention the word crotch. Yeah, hotter <laughs> than a crotch. Hotter than a crotch. Hotter than a crotch. Uh, I have a buddy that's like. 10 years older than me that he was, he went to university of Virginia and he was saying that he was in this like kind of bar band cover band in the late eighties there. And they, they would cover tough mama. And I was like, <laughs> strong choice. That is a, I mean, can you imagine choice. just like, just like yeah. being at like a bar, like in the vicinity of like UVA yeah. in like 1990 and some dudes ripping into tough mama. I was like, Hell yeah. Dude. And anyone who isn't a major Bob head has no idea that this is a Bob Dylan song. Yeah, exactly. You just think it's like, like, some bar band's bullshit song that, you know, their cousin wrote last week. Yeah. yeah. It's not good, but <laughs> it has definitely yeah. like crept up on me over Au the contraire. years. Au I, I would say it is good. And in fact, I might even <laughs> yeah. say that it's good music. 
<laughs> Interesting. Well, I think you you guys have more of a forgiving uh, vibe with his like kind of like blues. For instance, on that on Tempest, there's that sort of like just like garage band blues track that is a tough hang. Yeah, and I and I feel like with Tough Mama, it's it's the bluesiest. I have trouble. I have trouble with straight ahead blues. Yeah, rock. but I guess it's That's just fair. that it's Bob Dylan. Like I can't. I know no, that it's I, Bob Dylan doing this, so it's like different. Evan, so Evan has recently developed a deep appreciation for the blues, uh, perhaps due to the influence of one of his other favorite artists who soulfully attests, thank God for the blues. Yeah, Van Morrison. Okay. Who's that? Uh, Van? Van, yeah. Yeah. Van Morrison had this great, this really beautiful lyric um, recently. that it's, it's, He says, thank God for the blues. Very beautiful lyric. He says, thank God for the blues, and it's it's got me thinking. <laughs> Uh, makes you think. Well, I love. Yeah, I'm. A, I, I'm not gonna say I love Van Morrison, but I do like some of his songs still, even though he seems like the world's biggest turd. I don't think he seems that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, all his recent. I don't. It doesn't make me like his earlier stuff any less. Yeah, I love Veden Fleece. That's for me a very second episode one. in a row that Veden Fleece is coming up on. Matt Farley also oh, dropped wow. that last uh, wow. just the other day. <laughs> tough Mama, um, um, Tough Mama. Oh, can I ask one question about the blues real quick? Sure, <laughs> please. Uh, <laughs> You're talking to an expert. Has, has your has your blues um, crate digging? I don't know what to call it. Led you to Blind William McTell. Speaking of great late Bob Dylan songs. The song or the artist? I'm wondering if you have listened to Blind Willie McTell, because I love that song, but I can't say that I know any Blind Willie McTell songs. <laughs> I think I've listened to like two or three Willie McTell songs in the okay. context of like listening to Bob do theme time radio. But uh, I can't say I can't say that I'm much of a Blind Willie McTell scholar necessarily. A lot of the old stuff is just like, Honestly, the fidelity is really tough for me to get through. Um, yeah. Like the low max kind of field recording kind of shit where it like yeah. it sounds like a wax cylinder because it probably was. Um, you know, I appreciate it from a distance, but it's not something that I can sit here and spin on Spotify, you know, all day. Gotcha. So Tough Mama. Anything else we want to add about Tough Mama? Oh, what is it? Uh, I mean, I, I've been listening to the record. I listened to it a few times the last few weeks. Uh, getting pumped up for this app, <laughs> and I um, I remember hearing somewhere that it was like about like creativity or like songwriting, and then I was listening to it more, and and I I feel like the last verse is the one that always catches me. And maybe do you guys have a like a theory on what it's, it's about? Because it seems to be like Tough Mama is like the fusion of creativity and oh you mean it's like his, his cecilia like uh <laughs> by uh is that a simon and garfunkel song yeah paul simon it's mm-hmm. just simon, paul simon. Yeah, yeah i mean i just want to can i just read you because i was yeah, looking please, at the lyrics please. today verse the last okay because the first bunch of verses are a little bit oblique and then i feel like he gives it away in the last verse i'm crestfallen the world is the world of illusion is at my door I ain't a hauling my lambs to the marketplace anymore. The prison walls are crumbling down. There is no end in sight. I've gained some recognition, but I lost my appetite. 
to me, that's just like dark beauty. His, his, yeah, dark his beauty lambs, bullet, his la- like the lambs he doesn't want to take to the marketplace anymore are oh. his are little gems, his little kernels of of ideas, his his artistic inspiration, his his inner yeah. life, and oh. you know the acid glare of being a mega celebrity for the last twelve years. Yeah, I mean that like, seems so clear. That war, yeah, exactly, and it's sort yeah, of like totally I've sense. lost my appetite. I mean, yeah, I've gained some recognition, but I lost my appetite, and I was just like, I mean, that 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 that's like like classic trope, right? A song about the struggles of being a mega rock star, but I do like how he shrouds it, um, and like, is he is he telling this story to the tough mama? No, I don't think question. so. I think it's. Is she like around? <laughs> I'm not sure who the tough mama is. I think the tough yeah. mama is just sort of like the collision of art and commerce. That's my yeah, yeah. that's my theory. Do you guys that's have a, the tough mama in all of us? That is a very good idea, or or sort of the the embodiment of the mute. It's like a muse, you know. That he keeps saying, right. t- Dark beauty. It's like maybe tough mama is kind of like the. Uh, all right, uh, strap in for this one. The tough okay. mama could represent sort of the creative um, outpouring that has no commercial use. That he's just doing this because he enjoys it. That there's a a need for him to do this, like a sexual yearning, one might wow. say. And so he's mm. sort of uh, mm. a libido. This has nothing to do with like selling records. It's just like I got to do. Th- this is what I do, and. Yeah. I'm going to do just, it whether it's got to come out of him. Yeah. And, and that is kind of true to the spirit of the record is that it's, it's more about um, enjoying playing music for the sake of it. it and the, the whole thing seems so like anti-commercial in its presentation and the cover to the back cover to everything about this record, despite right. it paradoxically going number one, like for a record that looks the way it does, it's and feature songs like this, like that's kind of the charm of it. I mean, definitely a great time to be making music. Um, I mean, if that's not a indication that that was the height of Western civilization, that era, right? Yeah, when, I don't know what planet is waves when planet waves can go number when one. When planet waves can go number one, yeah, it's like yeah. things are things are working, yeah, things have changed. So, you're telling me that Bob Dylan. <laughs> He's on the countryside. It's hotter than a crotch. And he's writing a song about the intersection of art and commerce. Yeah. I think that's what he's doing. Yeah. That seems, that seems to be the convention. I, I have always, it's funny to like analyze the lyrics of tough mama, because I think you're totally onto something here, Jake, but I have always just like, whenever this song comes on, my eyes just kind of glaze over and I get this like dumbass grin on my face and just kind of bop my head along. Cause I, it's, it sounds like such a goofy kind of song. Yeah. And it's like, first, he's writing like, yeah. Oh, I'm writing about the, the muse. I'm writing about right. what a tough muse, you know, <laughs> out there and, and the it's first like, thing you hear is meat shaking on your bones meat shaking on your bones incredible yeah. and it's, it's like he's fun, in again, it's fun it's like a fun song yeah vocals are nasty nasty <laughs> so yeah. nasty but so i think he buried I, I think he i think he buried his intent deep in it and um mm. yeah i don't know he seems like he yeah. wants to bury his intent deep into this song yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
All right, before we get to, uh, we got to keep this uh, PG-13, otherwise we're going to get the explicit label on iTunes. Oh, uh, Hazel. Okay. I definitely don't have as much to say about some of these songs. I do. That's all right. Fair. I do really like Hazel, though. Um, I really like when he says, blinder and blinder in the song. The delivery on that is really amazing. It's just like a great <laughs> moment in the song. It's just, I'm not going to try to do it, obviously, but it's, uh, it's, a, very well, you're welcome, it's a very You're welcome moment. to try if you want. Yeah. yeah. Jake, we, why don't you, and I devolve why don't you into singing all the time. It. Wait, wait, what, 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 what part is Blinder and Blinder? Is that like the, blinder the bridge? Blinder and Blinder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Diesel. Daddy Blonde Hair. Yeah. This uh, this song, uh, the intro to it, like the first few seconds, kind of reminds me of Thunder Road. <laughs> yeah. It, and, and even like lyrically, he's like describing a woman's like standing there in front of him. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I see that. But it doesn't, it never charges up to the galloping pace of Thunder Road, no. unfortunately. No, yeah. unfortunately. And, Pre- and Thunder then it goes Road. out with that really nice, like, ooh, a little touch of your love, like a very sweet moment. Mm. Right. I think that it, it's sort of the part of the charm of this record is that it's really hard to, like, put these songs on a, a pedestal in a way. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're so, they're so, yeah. like, earthy and, like, that it, and sort of fundamental that it, they kind of, they kind of resist being like fetishized and turned into like anthemic yeah. uh, totems yeah. in his catalog. Right. But that's kind of just great. Cause it's like, you need some just like meat and potatoes music in there, like in, in his totally. discography. And this is kind of where you find it. And it's also like, it feels like it's kind of a serious song, but a little bit whimsical, not unlike, um, you know, songs you get later on Blood on the Tracks, like Simple Twist of Fate. Like it almost feels like it's like it's almost like a song that's like uh, expressing like a little bit of regret, but it's still kind of a happy song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice and uh, easy does it, you know, and yeah. that's that's the that's the whole motive of this uh, record. Easy does it. He, and, he does uh, not really stretch himself out to a point where he's vulnerable here. Like it is. No, he keeps it really close to the vest. And I think that's like, Jake, you're you're mentioning that it's a great throw it on record. This might even be the only throw it on record versus put it on because <laughs> Bob's just throwing it on. In, in this <laughs> in this situation, he's like, he's he's not really he's just like putting his sunglasses on. He like even what he's wearing in this period, he yeah. like looks really like kind of just like a dude like chilling at the in smoking in front of the concert. Like he's just kind of like wearing a hoodie and shades. Yeah, yeah. There's like a few songs like there's like Hazel something there's about you, you angel you. There's a bunch of these songs that all are all sort of like kind of the same song. Yeah. They're all yeah. like deliberately inconsequential, kind of what you guys were saying, like not putting them on a pedestal, um, which is like what I was saying when I first heard the record years ago, I was like, I was so fascinated that it was like, he was deliberately doing that. Cause you just right. think of Bob Dylan as like epic statement after epic statement. You mentioned something there is about you, which is the next one. Yeah. On the record. We can, like, we can move on to that. Something too. there is about. Well, the, the thing I was going to say is I agree. It's a good vibe. But then, you know, he throws in these nuggets. He mentions walking around Duluth in this yep. song. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you get a little bit of him in his childhood. Yeah. And then, you know, like classic Dylan and Springsteen would all move. All of a sudden, 
you have a character named Danny Lopez in the right. song out of nowhere. But again, <laughs> Danny Lopez, old Danny Lopez, super fun, fun vibe, like kind of sticking almost like a cousin to the first song as far as like the sound. Um, yeah, just like a, it's, it's a cool song, and it's like kind of a story song, also kind of setting up for Blood on the Tracks too. This you whole know, thing you, is kind of a cousin's thing. Like this, yeah. this record is like the cousin of all the other of like New Morning, Self Portrait, yeah, John Wesley. Like it, even Pat Garrett. It's kind of like this one that is technically a full on album, but it's not gonna. Like, it just like has its own little thing going. It's like a kind of an outlier. Like New Morning is like. It's one that we've kind of panned over and over again. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> I think the reason why I would say it's this, I like Planet Waves more than New Morning is that New Morning feels like self-consciously like I'm going to put together, I'm going to be a good boy and put out a good, put out a real album because I haven't done it hmm. in a second. And then this record is like, it, it does the same thing, but in this kind of just like authentically, casual gesture we've we've talked about this before i think uh, for for me at least the 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 difference is like bob doing it for himself and bob doing it for others and like so new morning is bob doing it for others uh planet waves is bob doing it for himself the same way that like before the flood that sound that tour was that even though same band you know same era that was bob doing it for others he needed to go out play the hits play them loud play them fast make a bunch of money versus something like budokan uh, was totally Bob doing it for himself. And there's just like this, uh, you know, maybe this is my own mental projection at this point, but it, it, I, 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 I key in on whatever, you know, whenever I feel like Bob is is following his own muse instead of trying to respond to the demands of the label, uh, the other people in the crowd, uh, the currents in pop culture, whatever. Uh, and Planet Waves is totally just like its own its own little thing in 1974, and still ended up going number one on the. You know, it's just it's well, it's a perfect little moment in time. Can I ask you? I, I don't know the backstory on New Morning. Why do you say it was he was doing that for other people? He uh, he was he had just put out Self Portrait before that. They were the two 1970 records, and Self Portrait was universally panned and shit upon uh, yeah. by the entire press. You know when that came out, um, and it had a bunch of like confounding covers and stuff, and like weird yeah. songs that he didn't even sing on necessarily. And it's looked back on now. You know, it's kind of a, a, a great um, underappreciated record, but at the time it pissed everybody off. And so New Morning was like consciously billed as Bob's like Bob's back, like his first kind of like huh. actual like attempt back at stardom. And gotcha. some of those songs on there, like New Morning, like Day of the Locusts, like um, If Not For You are great songs, great classic pop songs and stuff. Um, but it, um, you know, th- there's other, w- there's certain songs that shall not be named here. Uh, and some bun- a bunch of other weird songs also, and it just kind of doesn't really hang together um, as uh, as a cohesive statement the way that I think Planet Waves totally does. I mean, I, I love New Morning. I know like Dogs Run Free is right harsh. <laughs> I know where you guys stand and sign on the window, but um, it's a, and we, <laughs> can I put forward those a theory? Popular please opinions. Um, so. And maybe this is really basic. I don't know. Um, I think of like, we're we're talking about earlier, you know, he was so ambitious in the beginning of his career for the first, whatever, seven albums or whatever. I see starting with Nashville skyline, a dramatic shift 
in his psychology and his ambition. And I feel like Nashville Skyline through Planet Waves was a series of whatever that whatever that was, six years or whatever of right. deliberately unambitious music. Mm-hmm. Now, self-portrait was like snotty. It was like truly he was in a I mean, I don't know the backstory really, but I listen to self I self-portrait I don't like because it's too arch. It's too um uh, yeah. ironic and wry. It's 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 just a bad vibe. I love New Morning because it's like New Morning and Planet Waves to me are like not that far off, you know? Totally. Um, but anyway, I just see like this whole stretch from like Nashville through Planet as like his like his, his roots rock era. Yeah. Uh, and then starting again with uh, Blood, it's like that's when he's really getting ambitious. Like, Blood, Desire, Street Legal. He's right. He, that's those are full mature, like huge statements um right shooting for but stars, is, is that base i mean i just feel like there's like no i think that that's that like totally a mid- makes that totally makes sense uh and yeah. like we've actually talked about before like planet waves and new morning being like sort of like people thinking that planet waves is is less good and new morning is better or new morning is less good and planet waves they're like kind of tied together because he's totally like kind of operating in the same and even nashville skyline was almost called John Wesley Harding too. Really? Really? So a, a lot of these early to mid seventies records share some DNA. Did you guys see the alternate planet waves title, by the way? What was yes. that? Uh, oh. The, um, Oh shit. I had it. The record was delayed because Bob Dylan changed the title at the last minute. Yes. Yes. Which I thought what was, was it called? Was it called wild. again? It, it was a, a quote title. from was it? Uh, Ceremonies of the Horseman, uh, yeah, a line from sure. Love Minus Zero. Uh, and I guess he also was thinking about calling it Wedding Song at one point, That's which cool. uh, we'll get to it at some point. Glad he didn't call it Wedding Song. <laughs> <laughs> Ceremonies of the Horseman, that's interesting because like, when you read that uh, really verbose um, back cover uh, essay poem, it feels like incongruously blonde on blonde vibe. Yeah. It doesn't right. work at all for me. It doesn't I, make sense for this. I'm just record. like, what is this? I don't. Yeah. This, that, this, yeah. Cause like planet waves is so simple relatively but it, but in it its language. Makes you sort of like reconsider the songs a little bit. Cause it's like, okay, like I guess I have to factor in that maybe some of these songs are uh, trying to do the same thing, but in, or they are maybe covertly ambitious in some sure. way. And I, and I haven't read any profiles from this era. It would be pretty interesting to do that, to find some of the old Rolling Stone profiles. But also, it's like, the guys in the band are holed up at the beach. Like, Dylan clearly has, like, all the money he could possibly possibly have. By the way, must have liked it so much that he ended up living there for the rest of his life. So uh, it must have had some kind of connection, and I do Malibu feel will like, do that for you. Another and strong I do choice. Feel like the term yeah. <laughs> "Planet Waves" feels very rooted in the recording of it too. It probably was something. If he made the decision to delay the record to change the title, it must have meant a lot to him. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Planet yeah. Waves is really a, a great, just like phrase. Yeah, yeah. Planet uh, Waves. We've, We've, yeah. we, we've always uh, mourned and longed for the missing title track of Planet Yeah, this is the thing that we <laughs> said on the first uh, pass at it, that we said uh, we wish there was a song called Planet Waves. Can, can I ask a question? You said yeah, it, you guys talked about this once before. Um, what was the craziest take from it? 
Um, like, was think, it was it sure that the record it, is very good? Do you it remember your old podcast? Yeah, <laughs> these are yes. in one ear, not the other. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I haven't done a podcast in a long time. I remember them. I'm sorry. No, it's cool. I some... listened to the first Planet Waves episode, so I'm curious. It's quite all right. It, it must have been something that Michael said because I don't think I even talked for most of it. I think it was mostly just Michael kind of riffing and then Evan kind of bouncing along with something. Yeah. Michael li- like likes this record, but he has like a normal person's you know relationship to the record. He's just like, yeah, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> unlike us, abnormal. People. I know that my yeah. hottest take about this album that was after that uh, episode was that I said that everything that's said positively about New Morning can actually be better attributed to this album. Mm. That's what I said, which, which, does, was, which is my hottest take on it is that like people always talk about new morning is like, Oh, I love that. It's just kind of like family vibes and he's kind of just like letting his hair down and living his best life. And it's so nice. And I kind of feel like you get all that and more on this record, but yeah. um, maybe um, that's hot to hot take. Well, City. speaking of family, uh, maybe we should move along to our diptych on the record right here in the middle. Nicely uh, done. Forever Young. Well, we didn't even talk about something there is about you. What is there to say about something there is about you? I think it's great. I think it's one of the highlights of the of the record without even trying too hard. It just is sure. like, you know, one of the put it on uh, crown jewels, this song. Great little listen, you know, that, that guitar at the beginning, like always makes me grin. Sounds like a Mac DeMarco song. Um, you know, it's, uh, other way around. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mac DeMarco invented his entire thing based on something there is about you. Hugely inspired by Mac DeMarco. Yeah. This stuff has been going out for, for a long time in the the tradition of uh, lead belly, Mac DeMarco, DeMarco. (laughs) guys like that. That's who I was listening to. Yeah. I also like on this song, something there's about you there. He'll just like sing some kind of groaner rhymes where he's just like something in there about you. He's like, I was in a whirlwind. Now I'm in a better place. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember the lyric before like that rhymes with place, but it's like, like something. Yeah. Style and grace. Something there is about you that moves with style and grace. I was in a whirlwind. Now I'm in some better. I just love that. It's just like so lame, but like he just, the way he sings it, he just sells it. Now I'm in some better place. It's just like (laughs) style and grace. It's so funny. It's, it's so good. The, the line uh, about old Duluth that Daniel mentioned earlier. Mm. Also, he rhymes with Ruth later and then (laughs) there was Ruth. Yeah, sure. There was Bob. I'm I'm sure you knew someone named Ruth and you weren't just trying to get from Duluth to truth in your rhyme scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Lopez is is a, their mutual friend. Right. Amazing. Uh, all right. Well, something there's about you. Great song. Now, can we get to, uh, the centerpiece of the record? Joker women and Joker men. That's all you get for now until next time when we finish up with part two of planet waves revisited. Jokerman. Something there is about you 
Yeah. 